We are continuing on in John, as you're uh, familiar with here. And so I'm actually going to read a little bit of 51 and 52 to remind you to put back in context where Jesus is today. So back in 51, 52 of chapter 7, Nicodemus was just speaking after Jesus had come forward, and Jesus had just proclaimed uh, that if they will come and drink of him, whoever believes in him, as the scripture has said, out of their hearts will flow this living living water. And what we said is that the the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, they would actually come in with this this water, and they would dump it out, and it would be this water that was flowing, and it was to remind them of the water that came from the rock as God provides for his people. That has just happened. They're starting to question Jesus and they want to condemn him. And Nicodemus, from who we saw earlier in John, uh, who had gone to him before and was one of them, said, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. That's the end of 52. Goes into this next passage where we are today. Again, Jesus spoke to them. Okay, so that's the the tie-in. He's continuing this conversation with the Pharisees and others and explaining the next portion. Again, Jesus spoke, starting in verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, why that's important is, again, at the Feast of Tabernacles, something else that they would do is after they did this thing with the water, what they would do is they would light these gigantic kind of torches and lights. And this was to remind them again of God's faithfulness in the Old Testament in particular. And if you want, you can turn there with me. I'm going to go over to Exodus. It should be up on the screen as well. I'm going to go over to Exodus 13 for a second because they would light these gigantic kind of lights and torches, and actually people would celebrate, and they would dance under this light that was there. And it's with that happening that Jesus stands up and he says, I am the light of the world. Exodus chapter 13. Some of you who've been doing your Bible reading and you're persevering throughout the year, good job. Most of us are probably weeks behind. Chapters behind, but keep pressing on. Keep staying committed. If it takes you two years to get through the Word of God, do it. Keep pressing on. I've heard from many of you that it's been encouraging. Here in Exodus 13, listen to what it says, starting in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, as you're familiar with this, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. God says, I'm not going to send them that way because they're going to see fighting and war and they're going to get scared and run back. So he's going to send them a different route. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from there. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them, look, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. That they might travel by day and by night, the pillar of, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not b- depart from before the people. Part of what they were celebrating at the Feast of Tabernacles was that God was leading them, guiding him through, his, through this light. And again, that's where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Over in, ver- in chapter 14, again, this pillar comes up again. I want to read this to you because there's two main things that I think it's saying. 
chapter 14, verse 19, the angel of the Lord who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. Do you know why it did that? It was to protect them. If you read through the story, it was to protect them because they had come up to the sea and then Pharaoh and them were coming from behind. The two things that we see that God was doing with this pillar is he was leading his people and he was protecting his people. Go back over to John. Again, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them. Now they're literally celebrating, it seems, dancing, rejoicing that God leads his people and he protects his people. And in that context, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I'm your leader. I'm your protector. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Need a volunteer. I don't know. Let's just do this. We'll just see where this lands. Roy, landed on you. Fantastic. Appreciate that. Come on up here, Roy. I'm going to try to be nicer. Last time, for those of you who weren't here, I apparently made Roy hold a bucket out like this for about 15 minutes. That was a little challenging. This, you can start down low. All right. Okay? Yeah, just just right with your weight. Just where you're comfortable. Don't hold it by the top. Just hold it by the bottom there. Okay. So, hold up a little higher so they can see it. All right. You ever been in darkness? You ever been out in the woods or around the house and the power's gone off? Last night, I was kind of trying this. Hit my hip on the side of the bed. We need the Lord. We need Christ to be the light. He is the light of the world. He, we need him to be our light. Okay? So when he's lifted up, just for a little bit here, hopefully yeah. I won't make him do it too long. Yeah. When Christ is lifted up and he's the light, what he says is, if you'll walk that way slowly, don't outwalk me. He says, if you'll follow me, you will not be in darkness. Why? Because you're close to him. He's the light. We're close to it. We're following him. We're not going to be in darkness. You ever been with somebody and they had the lantern or they had the flashlight and you didn't have one? And they get away from you, and you're like, oh, I can't. And all, but you look and you see, what do you, you see the light from a distance. You, hey, I'm over here. I thought we were going this way. And then you got to try to get back to them. And sometimes you trip or stumble or whatnot in going. But Jesus is saying, you will not walk in darkness if you will just stay close to me. What did Israel do? Did they followed the pillar? They followed, so they wouldn't have to be in darkness. Thank you very much. That's it. Look at that. Easier. Easy. Easy. (laughs) They followed. He led them where they needed to go. He protected them from anything that would want to destroy them. This is actually something simple today, but just to start off, if we will follow Christ, if we will truly follow him, He will lead you where you need to be. Do you ever at times feel like you're a little bit lost, a little bit confused, and sometimes in darkness? What Jesus is saying to you today is, follow me, you don't have to be that way. You don't have to be in darkness. Follow me. You don't have to be scared. Nothing is going to hurt you. I will protect you. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean trials don't come. Ultimately, what he's saying is he will protect you spiritually. Your soul will be safe if you follow him. 
You do not have to be in darkness. So right off the bat, again, they're celebrating, they're dancing, they're thinking about how God has done this for them, and he stands up and he says, just so you all know, I'm the light of the world. Okay? That's our context. Okay. Let's continue. You follow me so far? Good. Okay. So the Pharisees, they're still around, said to him, You're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Now, Jesus actually mentioned this before in John. We've seen this where the law says there needs to be more than one witness for something to be true, right? You don't want, and right now we live in, we live in a a day and age where it's actually becoming okay to just accuse somebody one on one and we'll just say, okay, yep, guilty, depending on the person who's doing the accusing. The idea that you are innocent until proven guilty is going away quickly, especially depending on the situation and those involved. But the law did say you needed multiple witnesses, so that way people couldn't lie. Okay? Jesus has already brought this up. So the Pharisees, they're like, ah, we're going to get Jesus. Watch this. We got him. You're bearing witness about yourself. You're saying you're the light of the world. You're the only one saying it. Got him. Yeah, let's see. Your testimony is not true. Here's Jesus' answer to them. Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. Realize that the law was in place, that there would be more, that you needed more witnesses, so that way nobody could lie. That doesn't mean that if there was only one witness and they were saying something, it doesn't mean it was a lie. It could have very well been true. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, listen, just because I don't, You're saying, I don't have other witnesses. No, no, my testimony is true. Well, why is it true, Jesus? For I know where I came from and where I'm going. See, he is the truth. So his testimony is going to be true because he is the truth. He's from God. And as we saw in the beginning of John, he is God. So his testimony is true. And the reason they don't understand this is what does he say? But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Right in their face again. Are you catching a theme here? If you want to be self-righteous, if you want to be religious in the negative sense where you're going to think you're better than other people, you're going to work your way by your righteousness to God, Jesus is speaking to you over and over and over again. He's putting the Pharisees in their place. And sometimes, if we're reading it and we're not careful... He's putting us in our place. His testimony is true because he is true. He knows where he comes from. He knows where he's going. They have no idea where he comes from. They have no idea where he's going. Verse 15, Jesus says to them, You judge according to the flesh. You're judging on worldly standards. You're judging off of the things you see. There's a whole other thing going on here that you don't see. He says, I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. So he actually does bring in his other witness. Not that he needs it, because he's Jesus. But he's going to bring in his other witness. The Father also judges. We're united. He's been affirming everything through me, validating everything that Jesus is doing. So there are actually the two who are testifying, but Jesus was already explaining, but I don't even need that. But if you want it, oh yeah, it's me and the Father. Now it is true that we see that 
Jesus, especially when he returns, he comes back as judge, ruler, king. So it's not that he never judges, it's that in this first coming he came to save. That doesn't mean he doesn't make judgments in the sense of what's right and wrong, he does see that. But as far as that judging in the sense of where you'll be for all of eternity, that's coming. Praise God for his slowness in that. Praise God, I'm thankful. And with this revival coming up, I'm thankful. I'm asking, Lord, I want to see you. We want you to come. But we're asking you to do something great before you get here. Again, do it again, Lord. Bring in people. Yeah, maybe we won't have enough room. I, pr- I hope that's a problem we have. We have to go and get chairs and do something else and stand. And they're here, people are hearing the gospel, and we're hearing the gospel, and we're repenting of sin. And he is doing something remarkable in our hearts, in our church, in our town, in our county, in our state, in our country and in this world. It says, In your law it is written that a testimony of two people is true. Going back to what we said before. Verse 18. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Continuing that same mindset. They said to him, therefore, Where's your father? They're not getting it still. We're seeing this over and over and over. He's speaking of things spiritual. They don't get it. They don't have eyes to see yet. You have to be born of the Spirit to understand the things of the Spirit. They don't understand. He's talking about his dad. All right, well, where's your dad at? Jesus answered, You know know neither me nor my father. He just said that the experts in the law... The experts, as far as religion goes at the time, you don't even know God. There's quite a few false teachers out there right now who claim to know God. They're on your televisions quite often. And Jesus would say to them, you don't know me and you don't know my Father. Same thing. Jesus says, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. The way you know the Father is through the Son. You have to go through the Son. There's no other option. And if you think there's another option, listen to me, beloved, if you think there's another option, then you don't understand the Gospel yet. If you think Jesus is one of the ways to heaven, then you don't understand the Gospel. Because here's what Scripture says. Scripture says that we are all dead in our sins and trespasses. We're dead. Now, someone tell me, other than decompose, what do dead people do? Nothing. You need to be made alive. You need a new heart. Only God can do that, and that can only be done through Christ. There has to be the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. It has to be perfect blood. It has to be human blood. We're really starting to narrow it down. Perfect human. Ah, there's one. Jesus. That's why the virgin birth is important. It doesn't have that same nature that we have. And that death on the cross is the sacrifice in your place for your sins, in my place for my sins. And after three days, he rose to defeat sin, Satan, and death. And that's justification before God for all who would believe in him. That's the only way. Our sin is too much. God is infinitely holy, so you can't pay off your sin. You can't do reincarnation or something over and over again to one day hopefully get there. You can't. It's only through 
Jesus. It's the only way you know the Father. So some people say, well, he's one of the ways. No, he's the only way. You ever go to a a bank? The vault? Where the precious stuff is? Ain't a whole bunch of doors. Right? There's a big old door that you got to try to get through. The most, the, the, the more important something is, the more treasured something is, you end up putting up walls, you end up putting up different doors, guards, this and that, but when you get to something that is so precious, there's only one way in, and that's what heaven is. Only one way in, because there's nothing more precious than being with God forever. So Jesus is saying, you don't know me, and because of that, you don't know the Father either. Verse 20. These words he spoke in the treasury, part of the temple, as he was teaching in the temple, but no one arrested him. Why, why did nobody arrest him? It wasn't his time yet. We really got to think on that. You see, we've seen that multiple times, haven't we? Wasn't his time, wasn't his time. That needs to be an encouragement to you in the sovereignty of God. God's timing is always perfect. And if something isn't happening right now, Wait and trust that the time isn't right yet. And if something is happening and you're saying, God, this isn't right, yes, it's okay to pray and say, God, can you change this? If he says no, then you say, okay, then the timing's right. We need to trust in the sovereignty of God. Verse 21. So he said to them again, said to them again, (laughs) continue in this dialogue, I'm going away. And you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where is he going away? He's talking about his death. Going to be resurrected, and then he's going to go to the right hand of the Father. That's what he's talking about. I'm going to the right hand of the Father. You will seek me. I don't know if it's as much as they're going to seek Jesus as they're going to keep seeking the Messiah, the promised one, because they clearly don't think it's him. You're going to keep seeking, and because you don't believe, because of your unbelief, your sin, singular there, your sin of unbelief, you're going to die in your sin. Because you will not believe. Where I am going, you cannot come. They cannot go there because of their unbelief. Any other sins that you're thinking through that you may have in your life that you've done, past, present, or future, those can be forgiven. What will not be forgiven is unbelief. That's the one. It will not be forgiven. So the Jews said to him, <laughs> you're thinking, will he kill himself? <laughs> Wondering how much here was also, you know, kind of pushing back on Jesus, making fun, mocking a little bit. Or are they just really just <laughs> that far? They just don't get it. Will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. Look at the way he does this. You're below, I'm above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. Showing the difference between the religious teachers of the day and the true teacher, Jesus. I told you, he says it again here, that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Multiple sins all come out of the sin of unbelief. And he says to him here, unless you believe that I am he, what is he talking about? 
What do you mean he? That's what they say. Look what they say. So they said to him, who are you? Right? He just said, unless you believe I'm he, you're going to die in your sin. So they respond with, well, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning, since the beginning of his ministry. So here's what I did last night. This was so fun. After I, this is before I banged my hip on the bed. I thought, what's he talking about? Okay, so from the beginning of his ministry, he's been saying these different things. We've been reveal, he's been revealing to us who he is. So I wonder, through John chapter 1, through up to John chapter 8, what's been revealed to us about who he is. Listen to this. Listen to this. Whew, gets me excited. We have seen, and I probably missed some, but we have seen. He's the light of the world. He's the giver of living water. He's the thirst quencher. He's the one that no one else can speak like. He's the prophet greater than Moses. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the offspring of David, the Lamb of God. He's the one they can't arrest. (laughs) Shoot, he's the one they can't even touch. He's the feeder of the multitudes. He's the teacher, rabbi. He's the one who has the words of eternal life. He is the Word. He's the Son of Man, mentioned from Daniel 7. He's the one whose blood you must drink and flesh you must eat. He's the bread of life. He's the truth talker. He's the water walker. The Spirit's supplier. He's the just judge. He's the Son of God. He's the Lamb of God. He's the one from God. He's the one who heals. He's the one who made everything. He's the one from the beginning. He's the one who became flesh. He's the bridegroom. He's the wine maker. He's the sin taker. He's the giver of life. He's the one who's full of grace and truth. He's the one who loses none. And he's Jesus, God's holy one. In eight chapters. And they're saying, who are you? (laughs) Who are you? Verse 26. I have much to say about you and much to judge. (laughs) It's coming. All this, and they're rejecting him. All this. And think of how much more Scripture says about him, and our world is rejecting him. Maybe you have been rejecting him. I have much more to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. Verse 27 is sad. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. They don't see it. Oh God, that they might see it. God, that we might see it. Verse 28, So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, where he's referring to himself again, from Daniel 7, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. That's an interesting statement. What does it mean for him to be lifted up, crucified on the cross? 
Matthew 27, 54. Listen to this. This is right after the death of Jesus. Listen to what this says in Scripture. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Listen to this. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the Son of God. When all that happened, they said, it is he, the Son of God. When he is lifted up, you will see that I am he. And look at this. And what I do, and that I do, nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Again, his showing his consistency with the Father. Last two verses here. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Look at this. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Did you hear that? Everything Jesus does is pleasing to the Father. There might be some things that we're doing, brothers and sisters, that aren't sins. But don't we want to get to a place where we could say, man, everything I'm doing I think is pleasing to the Father. Are we ever going to actually get there in this life? No. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can keep getting closer and keep getting closer and keep getting closer. Last verse which is beautiful. Pharisees, religious people are not believing. Verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Praise God. What I hope that you'll take away today is number one, if you will follow Christ, if you will follow the light, you will not walk in darkness. You do not have to walk in darkness. If you're a believer and you haven't been following, you're not obeying His Word, and that light is kind of feeling like it's getting far away from you, the beautiful thing is it's still there. Run to it. Run to Him. The Lord is our light and our salvation. And in Psalm 119, His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. How do I get back to him? Get in the word and run after him. When scripture tells you to do something, do it. When scripture tells you don't do something, don't do it. (laughs) Run to him. I pray that you'll follow him. Number two, I pray you'll reflect on who Jesus is. Because if you reflect on who he is, you're going to want to obey him. Not out of duty, but out of love. And His commandments will not be burdensome to you. And I pray that we'll continue as we think on how great He is, we will continue to strive by the power of the Holy Spirit to do things that are pleasing to Him. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for this time together. We are thankful for your word. We're thankful, Holy Spirit, for answering our prayers to show us these things in Scripture. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I, I pray that all of us, we would, we would reflect on just how great Jesus is. All 
that we see that he is, Lord, and in that we would respond in awe and wonder and we would desire to do what pleases you. Lord, I pray you would help us to continue to follow you. Lord, I don't want to be in darkness. I believe my brothers and sisters, we don't want to be in darkness. We don't want to be in any danger, but we want to follow you and be protected by you. Help us to do that, Lord. And, and lastly, for anyone who's here today, Lord, that in your providence you've, you've brought, Lord, and they've never really said, yes, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I pray that they would do that today. I pray that by your spirit they would boldly stand or come forward and say, I am following Christ from this day forward. Lord, as we have this time, I pray that if anyone needs special prayer from me, Lord, that I could pray with them to be an encouragement to them. Pray they would come down. If anyone wants to use the altar area, they can do that as well, Lord. Continue to work in our hearts in great ways. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.